This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Hello and welcome to DesignCast, a podcast where I interview a wide range of excellent guests in design and STEAM education to get their unique perspectives. My name is Jason Regan and I use my 20 plus years of experience as a design educator to dig deep into complex issues. This podcast has one simple mission, to create a community of people around the world that are interested in design and STEAM education. Each episode, I chat with guests from all corners of the design world, from classroom teachers to authors and even to educational consultants. We discuss a wide range of topics that we feel are relevant today. I do want to ask you that if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review, rate, subscribe, share, or download from your favorite podcasting app. This helps the podcast get discovered by listeners that might not find it otherwise. Also, it helps me to continually define the direction of future guests and episodes. Feel free to drop by my website, www.jasonreagan.ga, to leave me a comment or to sign up to be considered as a future guest on future episodes. Also, don't forget to stop by Anchor and leave me a voice clip that could even end up in an upcoming show. Thanks for listening. So let's get to it. On this episode of DesignCast, I speak to Jacob Adams. Jacob is the founder of STEM to the Future, which is an LA-based organization that inspires and motivates elementary youth to use STEAM to imagine and create the world they want and deserve. Jacob shares with me his story of becoming an educator and how he founded STEM to the Future. His passion is unmistakable and he is working to make a difference at the community level and beyond. You can connect with Jacob and STEM to the Future through his Instagram and the Instagram for the organization. The books that he is recommending are in the show notes as well as on the Goodreads list. And so I can't wait for you to check out this episode of DesignCast with Jacob Adams. Welcome back to another episode of DesignCast. I am absolutely excited about having Jacob Adams with me today. Jacob, how are you? Hey, what's up, Jason? I'm doing pretty well on this Thursday night. Definitely looking forward to one weekend. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. And it's Thursday evening for you and it's Friday afternoon for me. So it's kind of crazy. I guess I'm talking to you from the future and you're talking to me from the past. So Jacob, if you don't mind giving everyone a little introduction about yourself and what brought you to where you are, so what you're doing now and kind of your journey into education. Yeah, for sure. Name is Jacob Adams. Originally from uh, Augusta, Georgia, where I grew up. I was there until I was 
until I went to college. And then at, I now live in Los Angeles. And I moved to LA after teaching uh, elementary school in New York for a few years. Yeah, yeah, and then when I'm not, you know, doing things with STEM to the future, I like to take pictures. So I'm a photographer, and then also I um, have a podcast I do with my friend Tony. Yeah, and other than that, you know, I like to just chill and, and hang out. Fantastic, man. So tell me a little bit about your time in teaching when you were in New York, I believe. In college, my whole plan was was to be a lawyer. I was planning on going to law school, you know, just be like a be a civil rights lawyer, but uh. I was in a class, a civil rights class, matter of fact, and heard one of my classmates was talking about Teach for America. Up until that point, never had crossed my mind about being a teacher. But once he mentioned it, I was like, oh, Dexter sounds pretty cool, pretty dope. I had coached gymnastics for a while, and I had like tutor and stuff. So I feel like I enjoy working with students and working with kids. So I thought teaching would be, you know, would be a cool thing to do, be a nice way to get back. I ended up applying for Teach for America and got in, was placed in Atlanta, actually. But then there was this like cheating scandal with Atlanta public school system. So then that didn't work, couldn't get hired. So I just deferred for a year and then ended up getting placed in a charter school in Brooklyn called Leadership Prep Ocean Hill. And I'll say that is definitely where I started to, so I guess I can kind of get like radicalized and start to like really develop my own ideas of, of about what education could be and it shouldn't be. What were you teaching when you were teaching in New York at the uh, charter school? I was teaching uh, first grade and funny enough, there was like a button on your Teach for America application where you could click where they ask you to like pick which grade you wanted. And there was like an option where basically if I get placed in this grade, I won't do Teach for America. And I almost clicked that for elementary school, but I was like, let me just be open-minded. And now, you know, I definitely love teaching elementary school, really wouldn't wouldn't have it any way, any other way. So I was teaching first grade and I was at that one school for two years. And that was quite the experience, like I was saying. The school, so I guess like paint the picture real quick. It was in Brownsville, Brooklyn. So it's like out toward East New York, real high poverty neighborhood, pretty much like 99% black students, probably 95% or so are the, of those students are on free or reduced lunch. So yeah, like I'm saying, very, very high poverty neighborhood, yet the test scores at the school were like some of the highest in, in New York City. So because of that, I think you put those two things together. It's like a model that schools in New York and all over the country wanted to replicate. So like any day, no joke, it could be 40, 50 people just in the lunchroom watching our kids eat breakfast and transition from breakfast to the to like where they do their little like morning meeting thing just because they could get there so quickly. Like I was saying, I was I really didn't have any ideas of what education was looking like at that at that point. And so I kind of my first exposure to it. School was, so if like people hear those things with like the test scores and then, oh, they hear those things about the test scores and like the demographics and they'll think, oh, they, you know, that was, they must be doing real good stuff, or really good stuff over there. But the school was so controlling, like from, in fact, very militaristic. Yeah, I mean, honestly, definitely racist. And they've like gone through a lot of stuff over the summer with people calling them out. But like the way the kids sat was controlled, the way the kids talked was controlled, the way they walked, like pretty much everything was controlled and done in such a way where like the goal was to get high test scores like that was it so very early in that experience i started to notice that this is really sad but like not surprising that this is what y'all call like a model school for like black students who who are living you know living in poor neighborhoods like i know there's no way y'all would would take this type of this type of model and try to do it like in downtown brooklyn or do it in the upper east side you know with, with rich kids rich yeah rich rich kids or rich white kids like that's not happening 
So yeah, and then the, I guess the last thing about that that really kind of started to push me to think of like there has to be other ways to, like this can't be what a model school looks like. Like I was saying, the kids had some of the highest test scores. So, you know, they're extremely bright. And not that test scores just means you're bright, but I, mean, I was with them every day. So they were extremely bright. They weren't really learning anything that they were really going to use down the road. You know, it's just like a lot of memorization and like a lot of test taking skills. And so they had got really, really good at doing those things. And it's like, wow, imagine if instead we put this type of like emphasis minus all the controlling aspects on like creating students who, you know, are able to discover the things they like, like, you know, discover their passions and learn how to talk to each other and learn how to, to work with one another. And then use that stuff to like create the communities that they that they want to live in. Yeah. So that's really kind of what started me, I think, on this path of, of starting students in the future. Wow. That sounds really telling that someone who is new to education and new to teaching immediately saw that this was not working. <laughs> this was not the right system to put in place. And so I've worked in a charter school as well. And I'm assuming it's one of these things where there's a lot of autonomy at the school to do kind of run the school the way that the managers of the school want to run it. Is, is that kind of the way it was set up where the people who were in charge kind of were able to do whatever they wanted to do? For sure, in, in a lot of ways. But that school was kind of like the flagship school of Brooklyn. So a lot of the other uncommon schools would also come watch us or like watch our videos so they could learn what we were doing because our scores were so high. So the like, fact that multiplies how despicable what we were doing was because not only are we doing it to like these kids, but we got other people coming and copying <laughs> it and going, we're trying to go do it elsewhere. Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I think that that's pretty, and it's core, the whole charter system was designed to give students and, and parents an alternative. But in the end, when you privatize things, <laughs> you make it to where it's in essence kind of unrestricted. There's a lot of things that can happen. And, and basically they saw that the only thing that people were going to look at were test scores, right? And so they that's what they wanted to see improve and therefore they could keep getting the federal money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Um, yeah, the like education system shouldn't, I mean, it is that way for a reason. But yeah, I feel like it's, it's creating, you know, people who aren't really thinking critically who are really just being taught how to follow orders and, and more or less, you know, be worker bees, like keep the keep the factory going or, you know, make sure you send emails, but not really learn how to question this whole, you know, this whole system we live in there. So after being there for two years, what kind of happened next in your story? That whole time I was there, I won't get all too in, into all that, but I was definitely like rebelling and you know, definitely switching things up as much as I could. If I could go back, I definitely would do things very, very differently. But after that school, I left to and went to a school in Harlem. And actually, a kindergarten teacher who I was cool with named Alexandra, she went to Harlem too, to a school called Dream. So I was teaching second grade and she was like piloting this ed tech program. And I, I mean, I, when I was in New York, I got my master's. I was also at this school. This was one of the best schools in the country. And I never heard ed tech like one time at my master's or at my school. And here she was doing it. And now it's this was like kind of my first exposure to STEM. And she was like one of my classes, or my class was one of the classes she was piloting in. So seeing her do things like make the garden on the roof with the kids, or like they were coding those, those B-bots, made like a pen pal somewhere in Asia through someone she knew over there. And it was just like really, it was like really dope to see and kind of like another point where I was like, ah, maybe this is, like this is an alternative form of education. And one I think would be more beneficial to the kids, but also like society overall. So yeah, I kind of 
saw her. So then I saw that, finished teaching there. And then I moved to LA. New York was getting too cold for me. We'd be from Georgia. And I came to LA and was training and coaching teachers like throughout the city. It definitely wasn't it wasn't like school I was at in New York. But I was just like, when I was in New York, you know, I was only in my two, I was in my school in Brooklyn. I didn't go to anybody else's school. And then I was at my school in the dream, like, I mean, in Harlem. So all, that's all I knew. So I came to LA though, I was training teachers all over LA. So I'm going to school after school after school. And I'm seeing like the same thing over and over. You know, maybe sometimes the kids are like have a, you know, a teacher who's got at least some of the resources they need and like some of the training. But even then, most of the time they're spending all day, you know, doing things that probably don't need to do and they don't really need to to know. So it's like, so that then kind of got me thinking like, we're in school for eight hours a day. What is the purpose of it? It's definitely not to create like, not what should the purpose be, but education system in the United States. Like, what is it? What's the purpose? And it's like, seems like just a place to send your kids, you you know, so people can go to work. You know, we, we, we got to do better than that. It sounds like you have found a way to start fixing things. And so can you tell me a little bit about your organization that you started? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the the organization is called STEM to the Future. And you know, at STEM to the Future, we believe the youth and especially like elementary age youth like should, should be playing an instrumental role in, in building power um, in their communities, you know, whether their community is at their school or whether it's in their neighborhood, you know, or at the park down the street, like either way, we really believe that even at like, you know, as young as seven, eight, nine, you should be at least if you're not actually out helping create that change in the neighborhood or in your school, you should be learning. And this is like, this part, I guess, as early as five, you should at least be starting to learn the skills that are needed to be able to think critically and like be able to create, I mean, you be able to think critically and creatively in such a way where you're able to imagine like, you know, what 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 type of world are we trying to live in? How can we like work together to to make that dream a, a reality? And then with Steam being like such a broad, you know, such a broad like umbrella, we definitely like that too. One, also just being really into technology and seeing how it can, you know, it could be used to do so much good and, and art as well. And, and kids, you know, find, find these different Steam things. They're really fun and exciting. And so definitely like to include the steam component with that knowing that like you know we are living in a, in a 21st century things are only going to get more like digitized technology is only going to keep getting stronger and processing power going to keep doubling therefore like we need to be figuring out how to use this stuff to our advantage. So, and we, you know, we should start with, you know, the youth should be doing that too. So we have three, three main programs that we use to, you know, really start to, to get the students to see that, you know, they can make change. So the first one is called planting the seed. And so that's like where we partner with schools directly and we will go to the schools. Now it's online and we will like implement the curriculum that we've created. So in the curriculum, we combine like STEAM and, and social justice and, and activism. So the like, kindergarten through second grade, they're more so learning like skills like creativity, like critical thinking, how to communicate with one another, and then doing different like STEAM projects, you know, as a group, like really starting to build these skills and also learn like how can we use these things to make the classroom better or even like, make the hallway better and maybe the school. In, yeah, in the, the school as well. And then once you get to third through fifth grade, really start to do more like the curriculum is more around like, what can we do to raise awareness around like an issue in the school or if we're doing like data analysis and like graphic design, how can we put those things together to like analyze the lunchroom and make the lunchroom like more sustainable while also learning that the like climate crisis is not, uh, it's not our fault. And it's like just us doing this isn't, isn't going to fix it. But, you know, we also got to start developing like different habits. So, so yeah, that would be, that's playing the seed. The next program would be for the greater good. And that's like our professional development program we'll do with like teachers and then also with like after school providers or 
are, are people who work at like youth servant organizations. So we'll take the curriculum that we've taught and refined through Plant the Seed, and then we'll train and support the educators on that. And we'll also make the curriculum in a way where the educators can like tweak it however they need to make sure it's it's relevant to to the kids they're teaching. So you could just pick it up and teach it, but we probably say, you know, you should probably make some edits to it, knowing everybody's classroom is still different. And the last program, which has like different programs within it, is called Brick by Brick. And so that's our like community-based programs where students from different schools are coming together to create their own like their own programs that uplift the community. So with planting the seed, they're creating change in the school. Another example of that would like in a painting, like painting an identity, and then they would go and paint a mural that kind of like celebrates the identity, like celebrates all the, the identities at the school. Whereas brick by brick, they're taking these skills and actually going out of the classroom and they're like putting them, you know, they're implementing this stuff in the community. So, and another really exciting thing about those programs, the brick by brick is that they are, you know, student led, which has been kind of new for us. It's definitely been like a really fun learning experience. Instead of, instead of telling the kids like, hey, we're going to build a, a community garden to help the neighborhood. Instead, what we'll do is break down like they'll kind of they'll be exposed to different themes around like health. And like, what does it mean to be healthy? Like, what's a healthy community look like? What are examples of people and programs who have you know made their who have created programs to make their community healthier? And then through that, they'll begin to expose like different STEAM skills from like design to like data analysis. So they're learning how to like survey the community and learn with community needs. They actually made like a podcast that goes on for about eight weeks or so. At the end of the eight or 10 weeks, then they're like, all right, we've learned a lot about how to make a healthy community. We've learned these different STEAM skills. And we have this data from the community as a group, like what what do we want to do to like make the community healthier? So the kids will decide that and then we will support them on, on whatever they, they decide. So that's one of the brick by brick programs. Other two I can go through a little quicker. Another one's called Build Em Up Robotics. And that one's for girls and non-binary youth. So they're learning how to code or they've learned how to code, but you know, still learning. Then building robots. And I was in their class on Thursday, just watching it. And they were writing notes to different organizations to see if they needed PPE and then they're going to use their robots to be able to like deliver PPE to these different organizations. And then after that, they'll figure out another way to use their robots or use coding in the community. But you know that program has been really dope. And then we have another one starting our last last like new thing that we'll do for a while because we really got to get, you know, just focused on the stuff we have. We'll be like a design co-op. We were able to get funded from Pakistan. So definitely appreciate them for that. Where the students will be doing like a creative like a design co-op, you know, because I'm saying it's student-led, so it's hard to know what they'll exactly what they'll do. But they'll this they'll be creating a brand that like a design brand based on social justice to most likely I guess raise awareness about issue uh, issue they're passionate about. You know, or they might decide to design stuff in a different way. But either way, you know, they'll do it. They'll do it as a co-op. So they'll also be able to learn about like you know democratic ways of of structuring the, the workplace. Wow. Thank you so much, Jacob. And it sounds like there's a really a well-balanced catalog of offerings that you guys have, because in many cases, someone hears STEAM or they hear STEM and they immediately think technical and they immediately think high tech and they immediately think, but it sounds like there's so many other things. I love the fact that you're incorporating social justice into what you guys are doing. And so having that empathy and having that audience is fantastic. I mean, it'll be a winner for sure. And it sounds really great that you guys are, are working in that. And so I was looking at your website. It seems like you guys have people all over the country who are working with your organization. Is that right? 
Most of the people we work with are in LA, but because of the pandemic though, we've had like, we've definitely had people from all over who will like volunteer or they'll like want to teach or like they'll be guest speakers. And we've had people who, shout out to, to Cheryl, uh, who's like our director of programs, who has like organized these different like hackathons with different like STEAM professionals. And sometimes we'll just contract them out if they can handle it. But other than that, she'll like organize these like hackathons with different groups of like professionals. So for example, I think VMware is the name of the company, like the IT company. A lot of volunteers in VMware to come together and create like IT curriculum that we could never have come up with. You know, they're not educators, but they have all this info about IT. So they're able to like make the curriculum for us. And then we could take it and like tweak it, break it down, and then add like the different social justice themes, whether it be like internet. I know one of the themes with that is like the internet as a human right or creating. And another theme is like creating like accessibility to, yeah, like what does it mean to have like a accessible technology? Thinking about different people in their, in their different needs. So, you know, we'll be able to get the technical stuff from these different professionals and then we'll be able to add like the social justice and then make it a little more digestible for the youth. So yeah, we've definitely been getting a lot of, a lot of love from people over the country since the pandemic. So I guess we could say that's one good thing right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that has come out of this mess. And so, wow, that's, that's fantastic. So Jacob, tell me as a, well, I mean, as a small business owner and as a, a person in the education field, what's really been um, easy to implement for you and what's been some of the struggles that you've had? Yeah, for sure. I feel like the teaching and like the facilitating the professional development has been like, quote unquote, like easy. I think more or less just kind of like natural teaching is and facilitating is not in and of itself isn't, isn't easy. But I think that the stuff that we're doing, like the type of content that we that we create, it makes it so much easier to teach. Like, And then even the professional development, you know, when I went to PD, most of the time we were just sitting there getting talked at for hours on end. And then maybe you practice teaching a little bit. But whereas the, the PD we do is very like hands on. And teachers will be learning things that like they probably never done before. So, you know, if it's like 3D design or like a podcast or doing you know, different coding things, like a lot of this stuff is like I was saying, there is activities or skills that teachers haven't done. So they might feel like a little intimidated, but you know, we've chopped it up and like scaffolded it where anybody could do it. And so I think it, it definitely kind of like reminds them why they are teaching in the first place, because you're like learning these new skills. And you're being able to use them in a way that benefits others. So I think that and just like our orientation towards education, I think it's made like facilitating and teaching a little, little easier than it had been in the past when I was in the classroom. Yeah, it's, it sounds to me like you're definitely moving people beyond teaching to the test. <laughs> so that's definitely, that's fantastic that you're doing that. And so what are some of the things you're really, really excited about now, Jacob? It sounds like you've got a lot going on, but what are you most excited about? It feels like, so I don't have any kids, but that question almost feels like, who's your favorite child? But I would say the Brick by Brick programs are, like I was saying, I love all of them, but the Brick by Brick programs are really exciting. There's like a kind of a, this new excitement around them for us, like the fact that they're student-led it makes them like really fluid and dynamic so you know we can we can design it the parts of the program but a lot of it is like kind of figuring stuff out you know week to week or just like two weeks ahead because you're we're adjusting to what the kids want to do so it definitely kind of creates like a, a different type of energy and just like really being able to and last two things with that it's like one is just being able to see the kids really be able to the type of discussions they're having about the worlds they want to live in and, and the things they notice is really be opening my mind and my eyes to like, you know, these kids are 
eight, nine, some of them a little younger. It's like, man, y'all really are very observational. And like, y'all, y'all know what's going on to a certain degree, you know, whether you, you might not have the correct, you might not know the terminology to describe, you know, what's going on outside, but y'all know something is up. And to hear them talk about that is, is, is exciting. And then to see them might have, have ideas for how they want to solve it is, is also great. And the last piece is we've been talking with Science Friday, who's like an organization based out of New York. We will be taking the like our, our this approach that we're creating through the brick by brick programs, and we will be sharing it with formal and informal educators across the United States. You know, through like different workshops, but then doing it in a way where you know they're kind of like pressure testing what we've done, kind of creating this network of educators who are really trying to make the classroom or just like the informal, you know, making the learning space a place where you know transformation can happen, and, and really trying to invest in the future and not just doing it in a way where you know they're going to go on and, and get a job somewhere but like but they're going to you know these hopefully these kids will be honestly like pretty much becoming like activists at these young ages you know continue to, to do that work their dispositions will be you know ones that will be one that is like centered on justice and you know and, and centered on peace and they will be able to use tech and art and math and science and engineering to, to make that happen Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that you're onto something when you say, you know, you want this future generation to be activists and advocates for the things that they feel strongly about. And I think that that's the way society's moving. So I think it's great that you're finding a way to incorporate that and to look at that and to really prepare students for that. So that's that's fantastic, Jacob. I'm really excited to hear about what's going on. And so one of the last questions I have for you is what do you see as your future? What would you like to see happen with your organization so definitely would like like student-led educational model is you know we're able to like successfully implement it and the students you know become like creative critical thinkers who are it's like inspired and motivated and confident in their ability to like contribute to the well-being of the community that'd be one and also like long term starting to see like neighborhoods transformed in in a way that it's how the community wants them to be. Because we're thinking of, you know, starting with, we mostly work with elementary school students. So if you're, if you know, if we're able to work with students year after year after year from like five, and if they could stick with us, you know, for a while, even like through middle school, ideally at that point, they will have started some type of initiative in the, in the community that will be, you know, creating like positive change and like really be meeting people's needs. And so if we're able to see that happening in our neighborhoods with our students, and then be able to take that and share it with other people across the country who are able to take that process and make it better, you know, share with us so we can keep refining and just seeing these different like student-led initiatives throughout the country, you know, sure happening to some degree, but if one, if we can at least then start to be able to connect these different organizations and individuals who are, are playing a part in creating those, these communities, I think that'd be really, really powerful. You know, change going to start, change is going to start at the bottom and, you know, it's going to be grassroots. And I feel like this is a really good way to, to do it. That's really, really exciting. So Jacob, this is such great work that you're doing. So I really appreciate that. And I, I want to continue to keep up with you. And so I have a couple of quick questions I want to ask you just for, you know, just to kind of find out a little bit more. So what is a book that you would recommend everyone stop right now and read? It's two. Pedagogy of the Oppressed. It took me a few times to read it, but that's definitely changed my life. And then Teaching to Transgress by Bell Hooks. Another one it took me a couple of times to read, but once I really got into it, also just like really informs how I think about education. That sounds great. And so, Jacob, I have a, a Goodreads book collection that I continue to curate from all my guests. And so I'll make sure that those are included as well as, you know, a link to that in the show notes. And so, Jacob, if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about what they can do to be involved or just to support you, what's the best way to do that? 
Oh, for sure. Our website is stemtothefuture.org. If you're interested in volunteering or you know, you're a school leader or a parent or community member and you would like to you know, work with Step to the Future, you can definitely contact us Contact us on the website. Yeah, and if you're not also interested to see some of the stuff our kids are doing, you could follow us on Instagram at STEM to the Future. And two is T-O. So STEM, T-O, the future. That's fantastic. Again, I'll make sure that all of those links are included in the show notes so that anyone who wants to follow you and kind of see what you're doing, they can do so. But Jacob, this is great, man. I'm really excited. I can't wait to see where your organization goes. And I hope that people who are listening will will check out your website and go and see your different social media channels and see what you guys are up to and where they can help. But this is great, man. It's been such a great pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Jacob. I appreciate you staying up late to chat with me. Hey, not for sure, Jason. I definitely got to check out the good reads. So I'll be looking for that. But thanks again for, for making the time uh, in the space for me to talk a little bit more about STEM to the future. Oh, it was completely my pleasure, man. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode of DesignCast. I'm Jason, your host, and I produced and created this podcast. If you have any input, I would love to hear from you. And I look forward to seeing you again really soon. I am so excited to announce the launch of a new podcast network called DNA Podcast Network. The Design Network Alliance, or DNA, was founded by Evo Hanan and myself as a result of DesignCast number 16. We talked all about the need to connect design educators globally. DNA is a collective group of like-minded design educators from around the world. We have one simple mission, to connect design and STEAM educators with each other and with designers that want to make a difference in design education to make it better for future generations. The DNA Podcast Network is a hub for podcasts that cover the topics around design, design and technology, design thinking, STEAM, and STEM education. If you are interested in hearing more great content, head over to www.dnapodcastnetwork.ga today. Click on the thumbnail of the podcast that you want to hear and enjoy. If you have any other podcasts that you enjoy that cover similar topics, please feel free to get in touch with me and let me know so that I can look at adding them to the network. Finally, spread the word. Share with your network and your PLN and use the hashtag DNA Podcast Network.